0: things. Um, we're just going to have a great morning here in God's Word and the time of communion, but there's just a couple things I wanted to point out uh, just in, in, in the fellowship that we have here with one another. One, Joe, welcome back. Uh, you've been fighting the fires on the fire line for quite a few weeks. I've been getting texts from him, letting him know I'm praying for him, and he was out there on his birthday even, but you're, you're back safely. We are thankful for that. Thank you for your service. He was telling me this morning the fire is still 60%. Cont- that fire is just burning like crazy. Let's be praying for those who are out there fighting that. And, and we don't desire any houses to be taken out. And it's uh, it seems just like the state's on fire right now. So uh, let's be praying for our um, our firefighters out there. And, and Daryl Unger is here. And oftentimes he's, he's not here on Sunday mornings. And it's not because he doesn't love Jesus. And it's not because... Uh, uh, he doesn't like church. It's because he's serving at San Jose uh, Police Department. And his retirement is coming up in a week. And uh, he said, I was talking with him, he's going to miss the, the camaraderie and, the, and the, the special kinship and fellowship. Different than Christian fellowship, but the fellowship that there is amongst police officers. And uh, it's a big deal. And so thank you for serving our communities uh, through these years. We want to just honor you. And uh, wish you a fantastic rest in retirement, but uh, you'll have time to do God's kingdom work too now, aren't you? So, we're excited for you. So, and I guess while we're on it, since we don't have a ton of time, anyways, which I don't worry about a bit, is this has already been been a full morning. Um, when you see our officers in uniform, would you honor them? If you see them at In and Out Burger, buy their burger. Buy them some coffee. Now, sometimes they'll say we're not allowed to take that. I actually had someone say, I'm not supposed to buy their coffee. And I told them to relax and (laughs) said, I don't want to get you in trouble, but please let me, you know, buy you a cup of coffee, buy your latte. And uh, they're, they're going through unnecessary, uh, unnecessary. I don't know if persecution is the word I want to use, but just, it's not right. And I know, hey, let me give you a little secret. There are bad pastors out there, believe it or not. Scripture tells us that. I don't want to be compared to bad pastors. I don't want to be compared to a bad insurance agent. Are there bad police officers? I'm sure there are because we live in a fallen world. But are there ones who sacrifice for us on a continual basis, who definitely and surely care about the communities they serve in and risk their lives? They do. They should be honored. And sadly, in our, in our country and in our, in our culture, uh, we like to be rebellious because sin has taken over so much of this world, hasn't it? And that's what we see. So honor those who serve, would you please? I just think that, uh, I don't know why I said that. I just, it's on my heart. And we have so many of you who serve in CHP, firefighters, um, highway patrol, I already said that. Police officers, thank you for what you do. We, we know And we honor you and we love you for what you do. So uh, let's pray and we'll get into God's word. And uh, we will uh, have a wonderful time of communion and celebrating what God has done for us. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Father, I thank you for the answered prayer that we continually see from you, that you have given us guidance and direction. And Lord, as we enter the final stages of the men that we are, are looking at we know you have someone for our church to to be our teaching pastor who will add great flavor who will add a great love for christ that we will be encouraged by we know that that is coming and so we wait for you but we ask for you to give that generous wisdom that you promise in james chapter one to us the father it says that when we ask in faith without doubting that you're pleased with that and that you do give wisdom generously and so, Father, we thank you for that. Lord, this morning, uh, guide my words as we, as we go through our text, as we, as we teach your word. Father, may we be encouraged for all that you've done. thank you for your grace that has changed us, that has made us new, that has brought us from death into life, that has brought us from darkness into light. We celebrate that and we proclaim that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> get your Bibles. We're going we're gonna, to uh, crank through a few things. Um, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. In these past weeks, we've been in Ephesians 5, and we've been looking at this intense command to be imitators of God. And if you took that just by itself, we would say, how do we do this? We can't do it. And the truth of the matter is, we cannot imitate God unless we have His grace empowering us as the fuel to lead a life that is pleasing to god so we've been teaching through the text of ephesians 5 verses 1 through 21 and we've been seeing just how the grace of god does empower us to fulfill this command and in this text we have seen not quite all the way through yet but we see three walk commands and the first command that we saw is to walk in love as a community of believers, as those who've been changed by the gospel, we now walk in love. And when we walk in love, we imitate God, and we do this as those who are beloved children. You see, we are loved by God, we are now his children, and now we're to walk in love as Christ loved us. And we're called to a sacrificial love for one another, for our neighbors, for those who we come in contact with. We are to imitate God by being those who love sacrificially. we must be ones who love others who sacrifice their lives for others and Paul is reminding the church to be people who love now this makes sense you see to imitate God truly is to love love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God the one who does not love does not know God for God is love that's in 1 John chapter 4 Elsewhere in scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. How else do we go about loving people? Love is patient. Love is kind. When we're patient and kind, do we imitate God? Amen. So much patience. So much kindness. It is God's kindness that has brought us to repentance. And of course, we love because he... First loved us. Let us walk in love. Second, and we started on this last week, and we saw this in verses 3 through 14. As imitators of God, we are to walk in the light and not in darkness. You see, as God's children, we are those who've been transferred from darkness to light. We are to now to be a people of God who do not walk or live or practice the deeds of darkness. Our lives are not to be defined by dark deeds, but rather, Paul is very clear about the behaviors that belong to a Christian. Paul is very serious, and God is serious, that sin has, uh, sin has no place in the life of God's children. We are new. We are to be holy. And Paul lists... Some serious sins, and we looked at them last week. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among us. It is proper when we do not have these sins among us. It is improper when they are among us. In our lives, filthiness, foolish talk, crude jokes are out of place. These things should create in us a great discomfort you ever been in a situation where you've been in the conversation goes south and the conversation goes sinful are you comfortable in that or do you break into that sweat of discomfort you know what i mean by that you're like oh man i am out of place here and you start really praying lord what's appropriate how do i respond properly here how do i still share the gospel and keep my testimony but never show approval for these things how do i show grace in the midst of these difficult times. You know what my recommendation is, is to pray. Pray during those times. I just pray James 1, 5. These are times where you need wisdom. How do I handle this with the seriousness that I hate sin and that God hates sin, but yet I want people to see and to know what the gospel has done in my life. We're gonna see that a little bit in this text of what happens as we live differently. You know, we're discomfortable. We should have discomfort because it's sin. It is out of place in our lives. There should be a social awkwardness when filthiness and the glorification sin is present. As God's children who are to walk in the light, we should have tremendous discomfort when the conversation at school or work turns dark and sinful. When sin is bragged about. Sometimes what is holy and pure is made profane. We should be a people who grieve that and not a people who laugh along and join in. It's not fitting for a child of God. We are to demonstrate a holiness, as our text says, we're also to be a thankful people. So let's practice thanksgiving in our lives and let's be a people who continually give thanks to God for all he's done for us. And that is what we do when we walk in the light. And as we walk in the light this way, and as we respond appropriately to the darkness of this world, we glorify God and we are light. You see, God is serious about our behavior. You can't get through this text and think that this is just something to relax about. You see, God's grace fuels all of this. so we move it's a powerful fuel we are not to be inactive in our pursuit of holiness God requires holiness God hates sin and we imitate God when we agree with him about sin and sinful actions and we're warned we saw this last week we are warned not to be deceived on this don't be fooled people will say this is no big deal it's a huge deal this is serious don't be deceived about the seriousness of sin sin the wages the payment that you get from sin is death so what do we do with sin we confess and we repent of our sins don't minimize your sin isn't that easy to do no big deal great on a curve you sin you want to minimize it just try to find the guy in prison You'll do better. Let's compare. When we compare, we're going to find ourselves in the balance greater because we're prideful. Don't do that. We're to be holy as God is holy. When we're measured up to his glory and his holiness, we fall short. And that's what Paul said in Romans. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our scripture this morning you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and you're calling God a liar. So let's confess our sins. Let's be real. We are sinful. So let's run to grace into the cross. I'm so thankful that we're now new creations, aren't you? And so today, as we move along in our text, we're going to see how to display the fruit of light to one another and to the world around us. And so we're going to see four ways that we will show the fruit of light within a dark and sinful world. Let's look at our text. We'll start at verse 1. Let's read through verse 14. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you can be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience and this is where we'll be today 7 through 14 therefore do not become partakers with them for at one time you were darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of light for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness But instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We're going to move through this quickly, but first, how do we display light then? If we see in our text, look at verse 7. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. So first, we display light by not partnering with those who are in darkness. We display light by not partnering with those who are in darkness. This is a common theme for Paul to proclaim to the churches. Remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and that's in verses 14-18, through 18, Paul says this. Do not be unequally yoked or mismatched with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Satan. Literal translation is what is worthless. Is Christ priceless? Absolutely. Is there anything greater than Christ? No. The complete opposite Satan, completely worthless. Do you see the opposites here? What fellowship does righteousness, what is good, have with lawlessness? What do we have in common with light versus darkness? You see, it's an opposite thing. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? the one true living God, a piece of wood fashioned by man. There's nothing in common. They don't work together. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore go out from their midst And be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters. To me, says the Lord Almighty, don't be mismatched. Don't be unequally yoked. Do not partner with those in darkness. You know, we use the term unequally yoked for those who are planning on marrying an unbeliever. When we're in in counseling with people, we say, don't be unequally yoked. And I think I kind of grew up thinking, hey, unequally yoked application, don't date because you can end up marrying an unbeliever. This is like youth 101. Can I date a non Christian because I'm in love with her? We hear that all the time. Don't be unequally yoked. That's not really wise. Well, I'm not going to marry her. Well, then why are you dating her? Well, you know, you just go in the whole, sorry, you're getting a little glimpse of, of a counseling session. And we know this, this causes troubles. Because they're opposite world views. And it is a correct warning. Don't get me wrong. Being unequally yoked will make it for a very difficult marriage. But is it the primary application for this passage? It absolutely is an application. But it goes beyond dating and marriage. We as believers are not to be partnered with those in darkness. Do not join in and become partners in their sin. This is a command, to av- not a command to avoid those who don't believe. We don't push them away and say, eh, you're out of my life. But he's saying we don't join in their sin. We don't have this strong fellowship with them. We don't bond together with them. Partnerships are difficult, aren't they? I mean, marriage and family decisions get difficult Sometimes. What about business partnerships? You ever have a partner that you disagreed with? Can you imagine trying to make godly business decisions with one who's in darkness? You see, this is just wisdom from God. He's protecting us and he's saying, do not partner with those who are in darkness. You see, the tension Paul is talking about when he says unequally yoked are two ox pulling in different directions. When one is fighting one way, you're going to get crooked lines. You won't be straight. I know this too. When you have believers, yourself, myself, when. I'm trying to pull one way and an unbeliever is trying to pull the other way, the temptation to give in to sin is strong, isn't it? Why put yourself in that situation? I know when finances and business decisions and success is at stake, the temptation to compromise can be very, very strong and very, very real. Be careful in who you partner with. Pray. Pray. Ask for the generous wisdom of God. Because again, Jesus isn't telling us, or Paul isn't telling us, and Jesus doesn't tell us to, to just avoid the world. In fact, it says, you are the salt of the earth. Jesus said this, and Paul is telling us, be salt and light within our community. In our schools, in our workplace, wherever we go, we're to be salt. We're to be light. And we need to love and befriend, befriend those who desperately need Jesus. But as we fulfill our mission, we don't participate in the sins of unbelievers. Every once in a while, you'll see something crazy, and I, and I don't mean to pick on young people, but sometimes I just think they're like, you know, what's your ministry? Well, My ministry is a bar ministry. Okay, how does that work? Well, I just hang out in bars and share the gospel. Are you getting toasted with them? How does this, how's this work? Be careful we're in light not in darkness and I think pride can easily take over and say hey I can go hang out in the worst of all situations and not be affected we need to be careful I would say this if you go and do ministry in the dark places grab someone with you minister as a team because temptation is strong we do not participate in the sins of unbelievers. In, flat. in fact, Scripture says to flee sin. So we do not share in the sins that hold the world in bondage. Paul already mentioned these. Sexual immorality, green, corrupt speech. We don't reach out to those in darkness by becoming and participating in darkness. Instead, we have our second point. What do we do? We display light by living a life that shows who we are. We display light by living our true identity. We display light by living a life that shows what Christ has done to us. And what is our identity? We were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. This is verse 8, right? For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For at one time, you were darkness. But now, today, if you are saved, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. If you ever need a single sentence to explain your salvation and your conversion, I think we found one in this verse. This verse powerfully proclaims what has happened to us. You've been converted. You've been changed. You've been converted to Christ. You were darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. This is awesome. Do you see now why sin has no place in the lives of those who are in Christ? Because we are changed. We are dramatically changed. We are powerfully changed. From where we were, it is a complete and total opposite. God awakens us and he enlightens. You see how it says that we're not light by ourselves? Because the Lord God is light and we are in him, we are now light. And now it's the great truth. And it's an absolute truth. Since we are light, we are to walk as children of light. This is a command. Again, Paul is not one to really give suggestions. When he says walk in light, he means walk in the light. Live like who you are. Live that show, in such a way that it shows your true identity. This is a command and a call to holiness. To be set apart, to be different. We are new people, so we need to live a life that displays our true identity. And third, we display light by doing all that is good, right, and true. Look at verse 9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. You see, the fruit of light is describing the results of the fruit of those who dwell in God's light. See, when we dwell in God's light, it will produce something within us. God is good. We say that a lot, don't we? Because he is. God is so good. God is right. Isn't that wonderful too? I mean, if you stop and think about this, you don't need to wonder. When you go to scripture, you don't have to go, oh, I don't know if God really means it. He means it. And it's right. You don't have to doubt. What confidence we have in Christ. Christ what confidence we can have in the scriptures because God is right and God is true and he is good. Again, God is good, right and true. So let's be imitators of God. So we as his people are to do what is good, what is right and what is true. True. This is consistent with what Paul has already written. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is good. We are to be good. God is right. Or God is righteous. Righteous. We are called to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4.24. And what is true? Ephesians 4.15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. In Christ... We are to speak the truth. Fourth, we display life by being pleasing to the Lord, by pleasing the Lord. That's a big statement, isn't it? Verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. I want to let you in on a little secret that really shouldn't shock you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't please everyone. It won't happen. In fact, you'll be mocked for following Jesus Christ. You'll be questioned for decisions that you make, that were prayed over, and that were made solely from a desire to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. You will be different. The world will look at you and say, what are you thinking? You're They'll just you'll leave and I guarantee you people will go, man, they're weird. Why? We were once darkness. The darkness is normal. Being in the light to them is not natural or normal. They have not the Holy Spirit to empower them to be in the light, so the light is foreign to them. And so as we walk and as we live in the light, we're going to be different. And it confuses the world. They don't get it. Young men who desire to be shepherds in Christ's church. You feel God calling in you in that direction. It's a good calling, Paul says. But those who desire to shepherds Christ's church, you will be called to make decisions that are not popular. They're not popular with others. And as we live our lives, and as those of us who shepherd Christ's church, all of us, whether you're shepherding the church, whether you're in your family, family decisions, whatever it is, this is the question we ask. And this is the question we live by. Will this please the Lord? Not man. And so many times when you come to the conclusion that this will please the Lord, I guarantee you man will not. Be pleased. Do we make mistakes? Yes. So we confess and we repent. Some of you understand this, you're in leadership in your jobs. Some of you are in charge of a great number of people. How's it go trying to keep everybody happy? You want to spin your wheels and give yourself a heart attack? Get an ulcer, get stressed, try to please everybody. It does not work. So what does Paul say? Discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Elsewhere he says this. Paul tells Timothy, if if I was trying to please men, I wouldn't be a bondservant, a sold-out servant of Jesus Christ. So a question is this, is your life pleasing to the Lord? Is your, are your actions, your style, your chi, is it pleasing to the Lord? Who are you? Do the decisions you make for your family please the Lord? The way you do your job and live your work life, is it pleasing to the Lord? If you answer no to these questions, confess and repent. I have times that my actions are not pleasing to the Lord. One good news, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The cross brings forgiveness and healing. Let us live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. If man says, hey, you guys are living in the stone age, just smile at him and say, my life is pleasing to the Lord. If man questions your motives or your actions, and you know that they were made 100% with a desire that the Lord would be pleased, lay your head down at night and sleep well. Don't give it a second thought. Because God is pleased when we live lives in the light that are pleasing to him. Is it hard? Yes. Is it painful in a human perspective? Yes. But I'd rather please God than man. And as that leaves my mouth, (laughs) there's a, ugh, there's a heaviness to that statement. Because as you walk with God and as you desire to live a life that pleasing is pleasing to the Lord you will have human pain you will have suffering because the world will not agree with those who desire to live godly lives and to walk in the light so as we walk in the light we display light through living a life that's pleasing to the Lord it's going to have some specific results in verses 11 through 14 take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. I like Matthew 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The result of this, uh, when we walk in the light, here's the result. The sins of unbelievers are exposed. It makes visible the sin of men. When Paul says expose sin, it carries this idea of correcting or convincing someone. You see, as we live differently, people go, you live different. And then it convinces them or it exposes where they're off the mark. Living a holy life will expose and bring to light the darkness in the hearts of those who are in the dark. You've seen this, right? If you haven't seen this, pursue holiness and you'll see it. Our holy living will show the wickedness of those without the the means to live a holy life. You see, they're apart from Christ. And as we live for Christ, we will be a shining light that broadcasts God's grace in our lives. We're called to be different. We are called to holiness. We live a life of holy action that exposes the works of darkness in the world. You see, light illuminates. Light exposes. In our holy light through Christ, through our uh, Christ-filled lives, they show evil for what it is. You see, in Christ, we no longer have shame. In Christ, we live out in the open. I'm a Christian. This is who I am. Those in darkness, they like to hide it. Now, some go down the path like you see in Romans, and sin just has its course, and the next thing you know, they're just proud of it. But there are certain things that even those in the world like to hide their sin because it brings shame. In Christ, there is no shame, so we live an open life in the light. You see, the world has actions and deeds that are done in secret, and the Word says here, it's too shameful to mention. If we walk in the light, there is none of our actions that we need to be shameful for. In fact, we say, we live for Christ. And we tell the world this. The darkness has shameful, hidden, secret sins. We are to shine our lights before all men. Set your light on a lampstand so that it gives light to the whole house. We're a city on the hill where everyone can see what Christ has done in us. This is walking in the light so we don't hide. Oh, sleeper awake and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Is Christ shining on you today? As he shines on you, you will expose the darkness around you. Your life will be so different. And people will say, you're different. And you'll say, it's Christ shining on me. Christ in me. I've been called from darkness into a marvelous light. <clears throat> the light of Christ is a transforming light. What makes, it's what makes everything clear. And we want to shine the light of Christ to a darkened and sinful world and allow the light of Christ to enlighten those who are trapped in darkness. A life lived in holiness will expose sin. It will expose other sins. And when sin is revealed, it brings about results. And the result we pray for we ask that God would do a work through us as we proclaim the gospel, as we live the gospel, as we live in holiness. What is our prayer? That people reprent, repent and flee the darkness. And they come to Jesus Christ and then guess what? They become light. I love every Labor Day. Darren, you could lead worship every single Labor Day weekend for the rest and share the story every year. Because your father was in darkness and now he's in light. And I'll say that now he's in light. He's in pure light because he's with our father. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's awesome. That's all of us, though. Go back and remember who you were. You were in darkness. But now you are in light. Let's live that way. You see the radicalness of the Christian life? Jesus doesn't say you were in darkness, and now why don't you be like that battery that's almost out? You know what I'm talking about? You ever reach for a flashlight and like you turn it on and like, oh man, that's weak. It's like, does it? But then like you get that monster flashlight, you know, the big old mag light. You turn that on, boom. Be like, yeah, I can see. Be light. Be righteous. Be holy. What does Jesus say about lukewarm to the church in Revelation? Revelation. I spit you out. I don't like it. You're distasteful. Let us be a people who bring the light because the light of Christ transforms and changes people. The light of Christ awakens people from death into life. The light of Christ takes people from darkness and puts them in light. Hey, church... Arise and shine. Amen? We're going to go into a time of communion. If the men can come forward, I I just think let's just go for it. Let's celebrate the Lord's Supper. What a picture of what God has done for us. He came to the cross, He was broken for us, He bled for us so that we would be taken from darkness and brought into marvelous light. And so let's continue our heart of celebration this morning and as we pass this out, just silently sit and be amazed in awe and wonder of the gospel. Focus on Christ and his work on the cross. Focus on God the Father and his love for us. And soon we'll partake together. And we'll pass out the the cup. We don't have the words up on the screen, and it's always dangerous when I have to start something a cappella, but would we just sing Jesus Paid It All, Just just that chorus? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. Isn't that awesome? Washed by the blood of Jesus, white as snow. In heaven we'll have robes, pure white, because we've been made clean by Jesus Christ. In Matthew, as Christ instituted this celebration, the Lord's Supper, it says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's partake together. Darren has a great song chosen to close out our morning. Let's pray, and let's just uh, prepare our hearts, even as we pray, just to continue in celebration and thanksgiving for all that God has done. What a good morning, amen? Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Father, I just thank you for your marvelous grace. Thank you for your grace that has brought us to life through Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this morning that we have the blessing to celebrate and remember your death on the cross. Your body was broken for us. Your blood was shed so that we would be as snow that we would be made clean that we would stand before you righteous not from any righteousness that we get from ourselves but through Christ alone his perfect life and his righteousness now has been given to us thank you for your mercy and your grace father may we now go boldly from here let us walk in light may we be people who boldly By our words and our deeds, show the greatness of your mercy and grace. Father, thank you that you have saved us not to stay in our sin, but you empower us and you fuel a life that can be holy and pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.